102 years ago this week, the Great War, World War I, came to an end. Back then, everyone thought it couldn't, it wouldn't happen again. But then came the Second World War. But from evil, there could come something good. When the Great War ended in 1918, more death to follow. Numbers differ, but at least 16 million died from the war. But as troops came home to North America, they brought with them a pandemic, the Spanish flu. 20 to 50 million died from influenza, a far greater number. But where was the good? There is the story of two men who made it through that Great War. They met the following year at Oxford. C.S. Lewis was still an atheist. But his Christian friend, J.R.R. Tolkien, helped lead him to faith in Christ. Together, they encouraged each other to write. Both led others to faith in the next world war to come. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris, sharing the great story that's all about Jesus as we begin a new series this week called A Hobbit, A Wardrobe, and A Great War. This Wednesday is Veterans Day in the United States, Remembrance Day in Canada, November 11th. This week, we're thinking back to 1918, the end of the first mechanized war in human history. It was nothing but brutal. It was destructive. And as America entered to help its allies, many songs were written to pep up the troops' enthusiasm. A popular song from World War I when America and Canada entered the war. And as we look back and remember this week, I couldn't think of a better person to join us on the air than Dr. Joseph Lacante. What we tend to forget, for those of us who love the writings of C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien, we forget that they fought in the First World War. Both of them did. They survived it. They become friends at Oxford in 1926. And that friendship just lasts right up to Lewis's death in 1963. Joseph Lacanti will be back with us in just a moment. He'll help us connect what we're going through today with the events of World War I and then what followed the worldwide pandemic of the Spanish flu. How were these horrible things used in the lives of both C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien? Stick around. I know you're going to enjoy our time with Joe. And after the program, I'd like to send you his New York Times best-selling book, or the audio version of the book, called A Hobbit, A Wardrobe, and A Great War. Both Lewis and Tolkien fought in the trenches of World War I. They saw friends and strangers die daily. And they each felt the darkness and despair closing in around them. Yet they both found a profoundly deep faith in Jesus. So for your gift to the ministry, I want to send you the book, whether in paperback or audio version, on CD. Call us after this program at 800-654-2836. 800-65-HAVEN. Or go to our website and you can make your gift there, haventoday.org haventoday.org. And just before we start, if you didn't get the first season of The Chosen, a TV show on the life of Jesus from the perspective of those around him, we still have copies of this double DVD set for your minimum gift to the ministry. Now let's open the program together. A song with Stephen Curtis Chapman featuring Chris Tomlin and One True God. One voice in the dark a song 
that lights up the stars. One breath that gives life. One sovereign in power who speaks with thunder and fire. One Lord, one King. There is no other that can compare to you. You.
Welcome again to Haven Today. And we thought this week we should get a break to the election that has consumed so many of us for, may I say, far too long. Yes, we're going back to Washington, D.C., but we're not going to be talking about the election. Back with us, the author of A Hobbit, A Wardrobe, and A Great War, Dr. Joseph Lacanti. Joe, thank you. How are you, my brother? I'm doing terrific, Charles. Thanks so much for having me back on the program. Great to be with you. We had you on two years ago, which was the 100th anniversary of the end of the Great War, World War I. And you wrote this amazing book. But why don't we just start about uh, the parallels between then and now? The war might have been over. The troops came home. Yeah. But a pandemic started. Talk to me about that. Yeah, I mean, there are never any exact uh, sort of parallels, uh, of course, Charles, in history, but there are some similarities when we think about the First World War and the aftermath and kind of where we are now. So just sketching it out briefly, think about what happened at the end of the First World War with entire empires collapsing, economies ruined, and democratic capitalism itself seemed now to be um, at risk. It seemed to a lot of people that the democracies of the West had really failed and that Christianity had failed because it was the Christian nations of Europe, quote unquote, that had gone to war against one another and produced such devastation. So you have that, not only the war and all the sorrow, all of the loss and grief, you also have, of course, the influenza pandemic. And in 1918 or so, that virus killed at least 50 million people. In other words, 50 times the number of people who have been killed through our own coronavirus uh, pandemic. Multiply it by 50. That's what Mm. happened at the end of the First World War, in addition to the war itself. So I believe, I don't think enough has been written about this. I think this helps set loose some really disruptive, dangerous, and even, I don't use this word very often, but even demonic forces Uh, at at the end of the First World War, things like communism, fascism, eugenics, Freudianism, scientism, all of these new ideologies, Mm -hmm. some of them existed before the war, but now they're given a free reign. And so by by the time you get to the late 1920s and 30s, these things are really setting down roots, particularly in Europe. They're affecting the United States as well, but particularly in Europe. That's, to me, a a great warning. Also, there's reasons to be encouraged, but a a huge warning for us now in the things that have been set loose by by this own pandemic and our own political disunity uh, and and, and breakdown in civic order and law and order, et cetera. Mm. Joe, I know you talk fast, but you (laughs) certainly gave us a lot to chew on in the last minute and a half. Uh, What I think I hear you saying is more people died from the flu than died from the war. That's exactly right. The Italians, just for example, we were chatting about the Italians before we went on air here. The Italians lost something like half a million soldiers in the war. They lost just about as many to the influenza virus. Mm, mm. And they, And they were on the winning side of the war. And that's where fascism started, was in Italy in 1919. That is not, Charles, a coincidence. Well, and then did, did, did any of this happening after the Great War lead to the start of World War II then? Well, that's a huge historical question. We can only take a stab at it. Okay. Um, because I'm a person of faith, and uh, I believe that God has given us the capacity to make choices for good or for evil. We have some measure of free will. I don't, I don't uh, think about history in terms of inevitability. 
I don't think there was anything inevitable about a second world war because men and women had choices to make. Statesmen and ordinary people had to make a series of choices from 1918 to 1938, 1939, a 20-year period of choices. One of the things that the First World War did was it seemed to discredit not only democratic capitalism, but the idea of virtue, the idea of Christian faith. And there was a real kind of pacifist movement that developed in the 1920s and 30s within the democracies. But the problem is there's the gathering storm of totalitarianism, right? Adolf Hitler. And it's a bad thing to be a pacifist country or have pacifist leanings when you have an aggressive state like Nazi Germany or fascist Italy or the communist Soviet Union. That's a bad time for, fa- for pacifism, but that's where much of, of Europe was. And also, we have to say, in the United States, an isolationist pacifist move. So there was a reaction against the First World War, an understandable reaction, but it was a pendulum swing into pacifism. And that allowed, that allowed barbarism uh, uh, to, to take root in places it otherwise never would have taken uh, root, it seems to me. And I think there are warnings and lessons for us now. The reaction that we're seeing in our streets, in our country, a disillusionment that many people feel with our system or whatever it is, that disillusionment, as it did in the 1920s and 30s, can lead to all kinds of mischief, morally degraded utopian mischief. Mm. With that in mind, let me just tell anybody that just joined us. You're listening to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris. We're joined from Washington, D.C. by Dr. Joseph Leconte. We had him on two years ago, the 100th anniversary after the end of the Great War, World War I. He's written a wonderful book, A Hobbit, A Wardrobe, and A Great War. Okay, I'm going to open the door to the wardrobe right now, Joe. <laughs> Let's talk about Tolkien. Let's yeah. talk about Lewis. Yeah. Uh, you know about these guys. Uh, and, and tell us how their faith influenced them. Because all is not bad in our world today, and it wasn't all bad then. We have a mighty God that's still at work in this universe. Absolutely so, true. So talk to us about these two great men who both knew Jesus. Yes, and uh, thank you for that question, Charles. And that's, this is the most encouraging part of the story, of course, because what we tend to forget, for those of us who love the writings of C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien, we forget that they fought in the First World War. Both of them did. They survived it. They become friends at Oxford in 1926, and that friendship just lasts right up to Lewis's death in 1963. Mm. So they fight in one world war, Charles, and then think about it. Then they have to live through a second world war. Mm. Just 20 years later, they have to go through it again. And it was in that period, and I hope we get the chance to talk about it. It's in that period from around 1937, 38, right through the 1940s. It's in that period that is incredibly fertile and rich with their imaginations uh, really on fire. That's when Tolkien and Lewis are writing their, their really their great works that really mm-hmm. begins in the late 1930s, just as Europe is going into another great cataclysm. So that's another huge part of the story. I think what's so encouraging is that these men uh, came out of the war and had not given up on Western civilization. They hadn't given up on the ideas of heroism and virtue. Lewis was an atheist now, as you know, Charles. Mm-hmm. When he went to the First World War, he's an atheist. And I actually have an, I have an essay coming out in the Wall Street Journal here in a couple of weeks about uh, a collection of Lewis's poems that he wrote in 1919. Mm-hmm. They, they issued in a book. This is Lewis as an atheist, and it's pretty grim stuff. 
Wow. He, he thinks God is kind of a cosmic sadist hmm. in 1519, but his friendship with Tolkien will be one of the reasons he abandons his atheism and becomes a Christian. So what came out of that conflict and that trauma was a, a kind of a rethinking, what is life for? Mm. What I live my life for? And wherever Tolkien and Lewis found glimpses of goodness and truth and beauty, they, 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 they just hung on to it. And I think it helped them to, to stay in the game. And they were determined, once Lewis became a Christian, especially in 1931, once Lewis becomes a Christian, they're meeting together and they're encouraging each other right through the 1930s and 40s as Christian writers, authors, thinkers, academics, and that made all the difference in their lives and careers. Mm, wow. And one of the things I, I, I believe you talked to me about the last time, a couple of years ago, is how they encouraged each other in their writing, too, uh, especially once Lewis uh, became a follower of Jesus and a, yes. and a born-again Christian. Uh, they helped each other out uh, to, to grow their faith, but also to grow their writing, too, didn't they? Yes, Charles. You know, there was, a, there was a conversation that they had, I think, in 1937, and they're seeing all the literature that's being written in the 1920s and 30s, and it's pretty gloomy stuff. It's not just um, uh, anti-democratic. It's a lot of anti-God stuff, a lot of nihilistic stuff, fascist stuff in the air, cynicism in the air, and Lewis turns to Tolkien, and his nickname for, for Tolkien was Tollers, Tollers. Hmm. And so he, he, he turns to Tolkien, he says, well, Tollers, if they won't write the kind of books we want to read, we're going to have to write them ourselves. <laughs> That's in 1937. <laughs> Tolkien had already written The Hobbit, now he begins writing The Lord of the Rings. Lewis then produces in 1938 the first in the Space Trilogy, right, Out of the Silent Planet. So they, exactly what they say they're going to do, they're going to write the kind of books that they, that they want to read, which is to say stories about, yes, struggle, sin, evil, but also grace and redemption with heroism uh, and, and bravery kind of at the heart of those stories as well. They're war stories, The Lord of the Rings and The Chronicles of Narnia. Those are war stories, if you think about it. But boy, the values they affirm, the truths they affirm are remarkable. But it went back to that initial meeting and then, of course, they're meeting throughout the war together in their little group called the Inklings. At the Eagle and the Child, and we're, I've been to and you've been to before, and it's not very far from uh, the Kilns where uh, Lewis lived for many years. Yes. Uh, so, Joe, think about this for me today. 2020 has been the most unusual year that probably everybody listening to this radio program has ever been through. Any parallels that you could draw back then from the lives of Lewis and Tolkien that could be applied to us, that could speak to our faith in Christ today? Yeah, I have thought about this a fair amount because uh, we're all feeling it. We're all feeling the uncertainty uh, of, of the time and the, and the struggle and the loneliness. And I think uh, as a historian, I like to go into the past with an empathetic mind, an empathetic heart, try to understand what were the pressures like under these men? What were they feeling? What were they experiencing? And I'm thinking now, particularly in 1938-39, with the onset of a Second World War, and with Lewis and Tolkien both, in the midst of that, they, they decide they're going to get on with their work. They're going to get on with their callings. They're going to continue to meet together, do their scholarship, mentor their students, and write their great works completely uh, uncertain about what kind of impact it's going to have, if any. 
but they do that because they feel called to do it. So it's faithfulness in their callings in the midst of a great crisis. You got to remember 1938, 39, by 39, Britain's at war. Yeah. 1940, it doesn't even look like Britain's going to survive. It's yeah. been invaded by the Nazis and it's going to be enveloped into the Nazi regime. And yet they get on with their callings and they, and they write these wonderful works of staying at your post in fellowship, in community with other Christian men and women. Stay at your post, continue to work at your calling with all your heart for all the right reasons, and God will honor that. Mm, That's good. Good wisdom. Dr. Joseph Leconte, before we let you go, my brother in Christ, would you lead us in prayer for these uncertain times we're going through right now? Yes, happy to do that. God, we do thank you for every good gift, and and first and always, the, the great gift of your Son, your love for us in Christ, who paid the who paid the ultimate price for us, rose from the dead, and, and made possible a relationship with you. Thank you that that is the great anchor for the soul. Thank you for these men and their team and this ministry. We pray that you continue to bless it. God, we pray you would help all of us uh, in this uh, season of crisis and uncertainty and difficulty and grief. Help us to be faithful men and women, faithful in our callings as we understand them, as you've given them to us. Uh, help our motives to be pure. Give us courage. Just give each of us courage each day, each hour yes. to honor you with our words, with our lives, with every ounce of our strength. We thank you and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Joseph Leconte, we got you in Washington, D.C., of all places where you still live. <laughs> thank you for, for coming on with some West Coasters today on Haven Today. And we appreciate you so much and bless you in your work. Thank you, brothers. Hope to see you again soon. Make my life a prayer to you I want to do what you want me to No empty words and no white lies No token prayers, no compromise I want to shine the light you gave Through your son you sent to save us From ourselves and our despair It comforts me to know you're really there Well, I want to thank you now for being patient with me. Oh, it's so hard to say when my eyes are on me. So I guess I'll have to trust and just believe what you say. Oh, you're coming in. Matt Redmond meeting up with Paul Oakley, a song called Make Your Life a Prayer to You. 
And I'm Charles Morris here on Haven Today. So good to have back with me Dr. Joseph Leconti on the program. He can truly make history come alive. And that's exactly what he will do for you when you read his New York Times best-selling book called A Hobbit, A Wardrobe, and A Great War. He's really the first person I've heard who showed how the catastrophic experience of what was called the Great War, and then a great pandemic that followed, shaped the lives, faith, and creativity of C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien. This book is a great read. It'll remind you that the Lord truly does work all things for good for his people, even in the horrors of war or a pandemic. These men fought in the trenches of Europe, and they saw friends and countrymen die. But Joseph shows how both Tolkien and Lewis found faith and rediscovered faith, friendship, and heroism, despite the gloom and darkness that surrounded them. My prayer is that this book, whether the audio version on CD or in printed paperback, will turn your eyes away from the events of today so that you can find a stronger faith in Christ Jesus. Would you call us right now and ask for The Hobbit, The Wardrobe, and A Great War? The number you can call is 800-654-2836. That's 800-65-HAVEN. Or find out more by visiting us online at haventoday.org. haventoday.org. And not to forget, we still have Season 1 of The Chosen, Eight episodes on two DVDs for your minimum gift. Christmas is not too far away. This might just make a great gift for someone you love. I'm Charles Morris. Thank you for joining me. Won't you come back again next time when again we get to share together the great story. It's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with God. This is David Wolin with Haven Ministries inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. It's not in the Oxford Dictionary, but in the Urban Dictionary, you can now find a definition for the word hangry. Hangry is a combination of hungry and angry, and we see it on display of all places in Exodus chapter 16, when the nation of Israel grumbled against Moses and God, saying, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt! There we sat around eating pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. It was foolish, hangry talk. But God knew their needs. He already had a plan, but he wanted them to know that he and he alone was their provider. And that's a lesson we have to learn too. You can get started with Anchor Devotional in print at getanchor.com.